predicted. So the God question for today is this. Is God good? Is God good? We've danced around this subject for the last few sermons, but let's hit it on the head. Is God good? Jesus said in Luke 18, 19, that no one is good except God alone. And we've talked about how he's created everything, and that shows how he is powerful, and we can see that. Last week, we talked about how uh, him being loving and faithful and righteous, and, and those are attributes of his character. But does that mean he is good? Now, bad is easier to define than good, right? Because with bad, we feel it. When we look back at history, we see all kinds of bad things that have happened. They really stick out. Even the church has taken part in some of these terrible things. Starting in the 12th century and for hundreds of years after that, the church in Europe was a powerful piece of the government. And they tortured and killed people that disagreed with them under the guise of rooting out heresy and blasphemy. This was known as the Inquisition. It was a terrible time in history. It was bad. It was most severe in Spain where over the course of 200 years they performed around 32,000 executions. It's easy and important for us to look back on such things and say that's bad. We feel bad all the time and we can easily identify bad things. When the dog chews up our shoes, what do we say? We say bad, right? Bad is easy. We could even go around the room and I bet there would be uh, no problem with us naming a constant stream of people that we all could agree on were bad. Now, if we started to go around and try to name some good people, I bet it would be a little bit harder for us to agree on who those, things, uh, who those people are, right? For some reason, it's so easy for us to see the bad and harder for us to see the good in this world. Now, last week we mentioned that an appeal to morality is an appeal to a moral law giver. Because if all this is an accident, then there is ultimately no good and no evil. There's only things that I like and things that I don't like. And then the problem begins when we realize that some of the things I like hurt other people. And they don't like that. So whose desires win out there? In one of my Masters of Leadership classes that uh, I'm taking, we talked about leadership ethics. What motivates people's understanding of right and wrong? And scholars break this down and they uh, talk about ethics and morality in six different stages academically. The first is this, obedience and punishment. And that says this, I follow the rules so I don't get hurt. And that's common for us. We remember that as kids. You know, we don't want to feel what it's like to get punished, so we just try and stay within the rules. The next uh, ethic and morality stage is individualism and exchange. This says, I'll do you a favor if you do one for me. And it's this exchange of this is why I want to do right and wrong. Next is interpersonal unity and conformity which says, I try to be good and do what others expect of me in order to fit in. 
I don't want to stick out. I don't want to be different than everybody else. So I'll just do what is right and wrong in their definition. Next is maintaining the social order that says, I follow the rules and support the laws of society. I want to be a good citizen. Then there's social contract and individual rights. I work with others to do what's best for us all. And I try and think of the whole. And then lastly is the universal principle. I act out of an internalized and universal principle of justice. And we see these things and motivations play out in the world. I do good things so that bad things don't happen to me. But see, that breaks down when it feels worth it to do the things that are considered bad, and then I just, desire, I just decide to endure the consequences. So that doesn't hold up universally, because sometimes I say it's worth it to do that bad thing. With the idea that I want others to think I'm good, that only lasts for so long until we realize that I can't please everyone. I want to follow the rules as fine until we want to break them. Because it's too hard to live up to. And it would be nice if we wanted to do what was best for everyone all the time, but we frequently see a CEO steal money from a company for himself and bankrupt that company, causing the loss of many jobs and, and hurting families. And we could be all academic about it, but none of these approaches have eliminated bad from the world. But when we look at this from the approach that we are created by a good God, it makes sense that there would be evil because evil is everything that God is not. When we see terrible things in the world, that's an absence of God in that situation. Now, obviously, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at once, but there are places and situations where God is not actively working because no one is inviting him in or living out his word and people are choosing evil over God's way. Turn to First uh, John chapter 1. We'll be there for a little while this morning. We'll start in chapter 5. First John chapter 1. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God's goodness is light and wherever that goodness is not being lived out is darkness. It goes on in verse 6 and says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, has cleansed us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Darkness is scary, right? It's confusing and disorienting. My family and I went to uh, Laurel Caverns, a few years ago, and we go down, down, down into the depths of the earth. And things start to get claustrophobic. But then they turned out the lights. 
And we're enveloped with darkness that was suffocating. Even began to feel off balance. You couldn't get your bearings. And it was a great relief to have the lights back on because that kind of darkness is scary. But John 3.19 tells us that people love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. And the worst, the base part of us likes to hide our sins in the dark, just like Adam hid his sin from God in the garden. We lie if we say we didn't take part in this darkness in this world. But God is light, and when light is present, uh, darkness flees. Darkness is the opposite of light, and light is the opposite of darkness. And God's goodness means that there's nothing evil or dark in Him at all. See, it's much easier and deeper than just God does good things. No, genuine goodness is the definition of God. It's not just that God does good things. God is good. Look at God. Anything he is, is goodness. And anything God is not, is evil. Psalms 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The ideas of morality and ethics, good and evil, are much more than just an avoidance of punishment. It's more than just trying to help out society and be a good citizen. Goodness is an attempt to be like your father, your creator. Now, where we mess up, though, is when we think we can be good enough to earn God's love and goodness and acceptance. See, even in our attempt to be good, we often do it for the wrong reason. We puff ourselves up and we admire ourselves and we seek credit. We look for payback. Psalms 14.3 says, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So God is light. And in and of ourselves, without God, we are stuck in darkness. That is a problem. Ben Stewart tells a story of when he was a child that he used to play alongside an old swimming pool in his neighborhood. And it was filled with old stagnant water and snakes and sticks and frogs and dirt. And it was gross. One day, little Ben fell into that pool, and he was terrified. It stunk, and he was scared to death because he couldn't get out, and he, he didn't know what awaited inside that pool, and he cried out for help. Well, neighbor heard him and jumped the fence and ran to the pool and, and jumped in the pool and lifted him out when he had no hope of getting out on his own. His neighbor jumped in. And that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. That we are stuck in our sin. No way to ever get out. And God himself got down in the grime with us. And Jesus took on our sin and punishment so that we might be rescued. 
Why did God do that? Because God is good. Now, an evil God would have laughed at us as we squirmed in the muck of our own making. An indifferent God would have told us it serves you right. But a good God got himself dirty to rescue us from our sin. God is good. 1 John 1, 5 told us that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 8 told us that we're all sinners and we're all lying to ourselves if we think we aren't filled with that darkness. And verse 9 goes on and tells us this amazing news. It says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the next part of the story. God is light. God is good. And he is something that is apart from us because he's pure light. But we are in pure darkness. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has no sin. We have all the sin and Jesus jumps into the situation to save us and to clean us up. God is good. In the beginning, God created everything and it was good. But then darkness and sin fled into the world and with the very first decision to do something that was apart from God's will and against God's will. There is no goodness apart from God. And wherever God's will is not being out, uh, acted out, there is evil. As followers of God they ha that have accepted his forgiveness and mercy, he extended his goodness and asked for Jesus to rescue us from the darkness. And now you are sent into that darkness yourself as reflections of the light of God. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end with, thank you, Jesus, you have brought this uh, goodness into my life and this light into my life and you've saved me from my sin, period. I can just back up now and do nothing. No, now you are sent out into the darkness yourself as lights to the world. Jesus said this in John 8, 12. First, he says, I am the light of the world. God sent Jesus as a walking, talking goodness into this world. Jesus is good. He's the light of the world. But next, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, he says, now you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus came into an evil world as a light of pure goodness. And then when you accept that gospel, you are then sent to be the light in the world of that same pure goodness. So although good works don't save us, those of us that are saved are sent out into the dark world to light it up with our good works, always pointing back to Jesus. Shine your light. Glorify the goodness of God by doing good yourself. 
The gospel is good news. So accept it and then share that good news. Bad things happen. We know that. We see that. We feel that. But they never happen to good people because there was only one good person. And that was Jesus. And the worst thing ever happened to the only good person ever so that you might experience the goodness of God. And if God never did anything else good for you except send his son, Jesus Christ, to save you, that would still be far more than you could ever deserve. But God doesn't stop. He gives us new mercies every morning. So is God good? Yes. Literally, God is the definition of good. Everything that is good is because it's an aspect of his character. And everything that is evil is antithesis to who he is. So accept the goodness of God as shown on the cross. And then go and be do-gooders yourself. Not to avoid punishment. Not to just be a good citizen, not for people to label you as a good person, but simply because you are a recipient of the light of God, good, uh, God's goodness. And then he asks you to go and shine the light of his goodness in a dark world. Yes, God is good. But not just because he does good things. Because he is the definition of good. See, God is good all the time because all the time God is God. Maybe you're here today and you haven't yet taken the opportunity to confess your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your only means of rescue. And this morning you're still stuck in that pool of filth called sin. Jesus came down into that to pull you out when you couldn't. So stop thrashing against it and put your faith in your Savior today. He promises us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, He is faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A good God saw you stuck and got off the throne to save you. So put your faith in Him and him alone. God is good all the time because all the time God is God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. See musicians come. It's hard to live in a world full of evil. And it's easy for us to look at the creator of this world and blame him. But along with the creation of the world came the ability to choose God's way or our own way. And over and over again, we have chosen our own way and brought pain and death, disease and hurt into this world. But God commended His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That good God made a way even when 
we deserved what we got from our own choices. God made a way for you to experience goodness again, to experience Him. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've never taken that step today and you can't point back to a time and a place and a moment where you called out to God and realized that you were a sinner and that you couldn't work your way to get to Him, and you put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross as the only means of your salvation. And you accepted that rescue when Jesus jumped into the pool to save you. Out of the filth and muck that we had created. If you've never done that, call out to him right now. It's not a magic prayer. It's not a poem or a pledge of allegiance. It's a cry from your heart. It's a turning around. Repentance from all the things that I believe in and I hold on to, like my good works and my reputation and my family history, letting go of all those things and putting my faith in what Jesus did alone. If you've never done that, you can call out to him right now. Admit you're a sinner and that there. There's no hope apart from him. Put your faith and trust in him this morning. The Bible tells us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we get eternal life. That is forever. The Bible also tells us that no man can pluck us out of his hand. So even when we fail after we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior... We don't have to do it again. We don't have to make that choice again. But we don't ever get past what he did. We don't ever graduate from the gospel. We still need that same faith that saved me is the same faith that's going to change me. The same realization that at 37 years old, Phil Wayman needs the gospel just as much as when I was eight years old. And the same faith that I had that said, God, there's nothing good in me and I put my faith in you is the same faith I need every single day because I haven't made it. I never will. I fall off. I, I trip. And I need Christ and I need the cross right now as much as I ever did. Maybe that's you and you've made a decision far in your past and you feel like it was genuine and it was real. But you've stopped relying on Christ for every moment of your life. And you've taken your eyes off of Him and you've run from Him because there's sin in your life. Don't run from a good God. His mercies are new every morning. There's nothing that you could ever do to make God love you any more, and there's nothing that you have done to make God love you any less. God is good. Dear Heavenly Father, drive the truth of the gospel deeper into our hearts. God, help us believe it right now more than we've ever believed it before. And that same gospel that we believe for ourselves, I pray that we would believe it for our neighbor. 
and that we would go as recipients of this light to light up the dark world. After you left, Jesus, you told us that we would be the light of the world. And it's a dark world, God, so that means we're not doing something right. God, help us to light up Harrison County from every street and every house, every person in this room, at our jobs, on the ball field, wherever we may go, help us be a bright light through our good works, but not pointing to ourselves, pointing to the goodness of God and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Help us to love. Help us to go and do good in your name. In your name we pray. Amen.